What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's, and welcome back to our bonus series. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. a guy that would probably trust Loki to only then get stabbed in the back. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. just another piece of media choosing to play Holding Out for a Hero in the background this week. Yeah, I think we could maybe give this one a little break, I think. (laughs) I feel like this one's in everything. Anyway, it was still a fun scene. We hope you've all been having a great week as well as a week full of great content consumption. I finally got around to watching Mayor of Easttown this week on Austin's recommendation, and I thought it was awesome. I really loved it, and I am not usually one that likes when miniseries get, like, extended, but I I want more of this. I want to see more. Uh, I want a season two, so we'll see what happens. What about you, Austin? Have you been watching anything good? Yeah, well, well. first of all, I'm happy to hear that. I've been begging you for weeks to watch Mayor of Easttown. I'm finally glad you got around to it. Um, and, and yeah, I'd be down for a season two for sure of that one. Um, as for me, right before we started recording, I just finished uh, the series, series or season, I'm not sure which yet, but I think season finale of Cruel Summer, uh, the Hulu original show, takes place across three summers in 1993, 94, and 95, and kind of centers around this missing girl plot. That takes a lot of interesting twists and turns. Oh, yeah, I need to watch that one, too. That one's kind of been on my radar as well. A bunch of people have told me about it, so that might be my next one. Um, Keith could not be here tonight. He's super busy, but don't worry. He will be back. So get ready for some great thoughts on Loki from him, as always. Um, Along with that, if this is your first episode of The Arnie's, welcome. We're very happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday. Earlier this week, actually, we talked about another one of our favorite movies, Hell or High Water. Keith picked that one. It was his turn, and it was a blast to rewatch and talk about it. So be sure to go check that episode out. And as for this coming Tuesday, it's time for Austin to propose a movie for us to break down. So, Austin, what are we going to be talking about this time? Yeah, we'll, of course, be continuing the Our Favorite Movies series. Um, And it's finally down to my pick, and I have picked Prisoners, uh, starring Hugh Jackman. It's one of my favorite thrillers of the recent decade. And I know it'll be Keith's uh, first time to check it out. So I'm really excited to hear his thoughts, and I'm excited to see what you think, Matt, on a rewatch. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be a super fun episode, and I've been meaning to rewatch this one for a long time, so it just kind of worked out. So yeah, keep an eye out for when that episode drops. We have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. Please subscribe to The Arnie's wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Leave us some reviews with your thoughts, and also we want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com, and just let us know how you're feeling about all this good content. But now, it is time, my friends. We're going to get into Loki. We had a very exciting, very good pilot, I thought. I was a little bit nervous to get into this show, but it surprised me. I had a great time. I really love the vibe. I think Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson just had such good chemistry. And we ended at a pretty good spot where I was like, all right, they could do a number of things with this season. We only have four episodes left now, but I gotta say, I really enjoyed this one too. Definitely not as much as the first episode. I think this one was a little bit, it was more exposition than I thought after getting a lot in the first episode. So for the first half of this one, I was a little bit like, okay, yeah, I get it. We got to figure it out, but it is getting a little bit slow and it's another really long episode. So I just noticed it, but the second half really kicked into high gear and I wound up loving it. So yeah, what about you, Austin? What'd you think? I guess I'm a little bit uh, surprised to hear that. I actually enjoyed this episode more than the premiere for me. Um, I thought the premiere had too much just kind of familiar content and uh, and too much exposition for me. And I felt like this week we actually moved things along 
And my biggest complaint, I think, for the premiere was that I didn't really understand what the stakes of this show could be having time travel and stuff involved. And I think the biggest thing I can say for episode two is that they found a way to remedy that pretty quickly. I think where things end in episode two has me so excited to see what plays out in the coming weeks. Yeah, me too. I think um, this is what I was wondering based on where it ends. Again, we're not going to get into spoilers yet, but the first episode in hindsight did a really good job of setting up some of the stakes, just like you mentioned. So we had some questions about how dealing with time and all this crazy stuff, how it could kind of feel important. And I think this episode did do a great job, like objectively making us feel really worried despite these people being so powerful. So, yeah. Um, I, I got to know, though, because I know I know you're a big fan of Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. And, and you kind of mentioned there that you thought the first half of this episode was slow. Were you not enjoying their chemistry as much uh, this week as you were in the premiere? I was. I, I, I mean, they're great. I love them. It just, I guess, after the first episode, I really thought it would be less kind of sitting around and talking. It doesn't mean it wasn't funny. It wasn't good, engaging, and exciting to see them on screen still. I guess my general complaint is for another 50-plus minute episode, I was just surprised that a lot of it was kind of, there was a mystery element, but kind of the way they presented it was just, okay, let's sit down and go through this and figure it out. Again, I, I liked it. I definitely really liked this episode. It just was surprising to me that a lot of it was kind of devoted to that. I think, I think honestly, I just feel kind of how you felt last week, it sounds like. So just kind of a weird little flip. I think for me, um, I just kind of now understand how this show can like actually impact the timeline of the MCU. Mm -hmm. And and that has me super excited. So I, I think that's the main reason I really love this week's episode is just I now have a better understanding of what we're trying to do at this show. Yeah, they did a really good job with that, for sure. I think that's the best thing of this episode, is it just... This show went from just feeling like a fun spinoff to pretty integral to the MCU in general. Like, it's literally its past, present, and future. So I like that I have zero clue where the rest of the season's going. I have no idea what's going to happen, and I like that. It doesn't feel like I'm out of the loop. It just feels like they have a lot more to show us that we just won't expect. So it's, it's super exciting. So everyone, that covers our non-spoiler thoughts. So if you haven't watched episode two of Loki, this is your chance to bounce on out and go watch it. Once you've done so, please come on back to this episode and listen to the rest, because now it is your official spoiler warning. We're about to break everything down. We're not going to hold back. So let's get into it. All right, Austin, as usual, how about you hit us with the full cast and crew for season one, episode two of Loki. This episode is called The Variant. Yeah, so as we touched on last week, uh, this show is created by Michael Waldron. Uh, this episode is directed by Kate Heron and written by Alyssa Karisic. And of course, we do have that wonderful score composed once again by Natalie Holt. And for our cast, uh, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson return as Loki and Agent Mobius. And this week, they are joined by Gugu Mbatha-Ra as Ravona Renslayer, Wanumi Masaku as Hunter B-15, and Sofia DiMartino as The Variant. So, Matt, did you have any standouts this week? Yeah, um, I guess I'll keep this one pretty quick. Obviously, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson as our lead characters, I think, are great. Love their chemistry. So, my kind of weekly shout-out, I guess, will be Gugu Mbatha-Ra. I was... Really wanting more of her last week, but they really obviously had to devote time to our main characters. So I like that this time we got to spend 
a lot of time with her and she seems really interesting. I like that she's a character that seems to be a direct conduit, so to speak, for these timekeepers that nobody else really sees or engages with. So it makes her feel really important. And I loved her conversations with Mobius. She just seems like a pretty interesting character and I hope we get more of her. Yeah, Ravona Renslayer is the character I think I'm the most intrigued by in this show because I guess I thought last week it was just going to be like, here's our judge and, and we may not see her again. Yeah. So I was happy to see her pop up again this week. And then um, also Winumi Masaku as Hunter B-15. I kind of like her dynamic with Agent Mobius. Like I like how Mobius is more of like the analyst and then Hunter B-15 is like the field operative. And, and she even points out like, hey, we're actively working like a crime scene now. And I have I have the authority here. So I, I kind of like that that little dynamic that they have going on there. For sure. Absolutely. And then, yeah, of course, you have uh, our big reveal. Sophia DiMartino is the variant. I guess I can't really go either way yet. We're obviously going to get way more of her, but I just uh, they just gave us a little tease. But it, it seems pretty intriguing enough to have this kind of crazy variant of Loki that's capable of body possession. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it last week, so I, maybe I noticed it more when I was watching it this week, but I love that Loki theme composed by Natalie Holt. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. It just really adds to this weird vibe of the TVA in general, so they really nailed it bringing in Natalie Holt for sure. Well, uh, speaking of the TVA, can you run down a little plot summary for episode two? Yeah, so here's what's going on. This one is pretty dense. We have Loki joining a TVA mission following an ambush by the fugitive variant of Loki in 1985, Wisconsin. He wants assurance that the TVA will let him meet the timekeepers instead of disintegrating him after the fact, but Mobius figures out that he's basically just stalling. Back at the TVA headquarters, Mobius convinces Renslayer to give Loki another chance, and after some research, Loki is actually the one that proposes that the variant is hiding in space-time near apocalyptic events like Asgard's Ragnarok, where the impending destruction means their actions cannot change the timeline, thus concealing them from the TVA. Loki and Mobius confirm this possibility by visiting Pompeii in 79 AD. The duo then figure out that the variant is at a hurricane in 2050 Alabama. Loki, Mobius, and TVA agents travel there, and the variant actually ends up rejecting Loki's offer for them to work together to overthrow the TVA's timekeepers, so Loki is still up to his mischief. The variant reveals itself as a female version of Loki, and she ends up executing her scheme, teleporting the TVA reset charges she stole to various locations in space-time, which Austin, this is what he was pointing to earlier, this essentially creates a bunch of new timeline branches because things are being reset all over the course of history, which is pretty cool. She then, of course, ends the episode by teleporting into one of these timelines, and Loki ends up following her. I now think more than ever that this show is going to directly tie into the Doctor Strange movie. I don't think there's any doubt, and I have no idea how it will, but I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Okay, so I, I guess let's get into it, Matt. Do you want to kick off the roundtable today? So I, like I already said, I think the standout here in general is still just Loki and Mobius's chemistry. Hiddleston and Owen Wilson are fantastic. And I just wanted to talk about them a little bit. Did you have any highlights from them in this episode in particular? Yeah, I'm still really enjoying Mobius kind of psychoanalyzing Loki in this show. I, I like that he just kind of really senses out uh, all of Loki's motivations, like kind of before he can even figure out what, why he's trying to do what he's doing. With Loki stalling in kind of that opening sequence... I was a little bit let down by that because I did like the idea of Loki knowing exactly what his alternative version is trying to do. And I was kind of excited for what that scene was setting up. And then whenever they did reveal he was just stalling, that kind of let me down a little bit just because I was excited to see what where we could go with that scene. 
Yeah, I didn't really like the opening that much. Um, it, yeah, I agree with you. It was just a little bit odd, and I think it's one of those things where coming off the amazing ending of the first episode where Loki basically kind of spills his soul out and explains why he is the way he is, it was a little bit jarring to get right into the mischief again so quickly. I even talked about last week that I think since he never went through all that trauma that he would have in the future, I think he's going to be a bit more leaning towards the good side, but still going to have that mischief. I just didn't like that it was like the first scene of this is, oh, he's stalling, like you said, despite knowing theoretically what the variant would be doing. So it was a little bit weird. So I would say for the most part, Mobius and Loki kind of have like a cordial, almost friendly relationship so far in this show. Where do you think that relationship's going to go? Do you think they're going to stay friendly for the rest of the show? Or, or do you think they end up at odds with each other by the time we conclude? I don't know. I mean, for like 95% of this episode, I would have said they'll probably lean more towards friendly. But then with Loki leaving at the end, I guess you could make the argument that maybe he has turned a new leaf and he is trying to get the variant. But considering what happened right before that of him trying to get this variant to overthrow the timekeepers with him, I feel like, I don't know, it sounds like they could definitely end up at odds. If I had to guess, I think despite that, the show itself will probably end with them on good terms. But I think maybe they'll be butting heads a little bit in the middle. So what do you think Loki's like true motivations are, though? Because I know he was trying to convince the other variant to join him, but I just kind of felt like he was lying in that scene, just trying to like kind of catch the variant at a disadvantage. He clearly does want an audience with the timekeepers, but do you think he's truly trying to overthrow them and use the TVA for his will? Because to have his motivation just be to overthrow the timekeepers feels like such a quick turnaround from the growth we saw from him in episode one. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why it's still a little bit up in the air right now. I'm just not really sure. Um, I have to imagine episode three as the direct follow-up will have a better idea um, but overall, I think his his main goal is just to stay alive. I mean, he knows the stakes now. He knows that he's not supposed to exist, and he also knows that he cannot go back to his timeline. So it's not like after this is done, it's like, okay, Loki, go back to 2012 and then relive the events of Dark World and onward. Like, that's not a possibility. So it seems like Loki's under the impression that they might you do that whole like disintegration thing after this is over, and I just don't want to die. And I guess maybe that involves him talking with the timekeepers and trying to convince them. But yeah, you're right. Then they kind of throw a whole wrench in that where it's like, oh, no, actually, I want to overthrow the timekeepers. Could be lying, but it's hard to say what his motivations are, honestly. I think he was just lying to the variant in that scene. I don't think he actually wants to overthrow them. I do think he definitely doesn't want to die, but I don't think he's like trying to get control of the TVA. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it could be in line with what he was doing back in 2012 at the end of Thor and during the Avengers. Like his whole thing was, and he talked about it last episode, I'm going to conquer Midgard and then I'm going to go and conquer everything else. So maybe he thinks, oh, if I can overthrow the timekeepers, then I will be the ultimate power in the universe, which I guess tracks. But again, you're right. It's like, but then why do all the growth in episode one? So I, I hope he's lying. I, I, I do, because I think that would be a little bit weird if he just becomes a full-on villain again. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's just we don't really know anything right now. The other thing, too, I would say is watching the death of his mother clearly affected him in episode one. So I was also thinking maybe he wants to try and gain control of the TVA to maybe then try to undo things and save his family. Um, I, I'm just not sure if his sole motivation is world domination anymore especially after watching his life play out last week. I hope not. I, I could see that. I could see 
he wants to talk to the timekeepers with the ultimate goal of preventing his loved ones from dying. Like that would actually make more sense. And I don't know how the variant of Loki really plays into that either. So it's really just tons of tons of questions still. Well, we've mentioned them quite a bit, but uh, I do want to talk about the timekeepers as well. I may be totally out of line with this theory, but just the way Ravona Renslayer was talking in this episode to Mobius, I'm kind of starting to feel like the timekeepers could be a myth, just kind of made up to keep the TVA agents in line and, and focused on their tasks. Do you have any theories about the timekeepers? Do you think they're real? Or are they starting to seem a little bit made up to you as well? Yeah, I think they're definitely playing into that in such a way where it, it, they could be fake, they could just be this made up thing, or they could be real. So they kind of, they, they had a discussion about that in this episode. Loki's like, do they, they don't exist. This is crazy. They also said that the timekeepers created these people, which was like, oh, wow, that, that's kind of interesting. And then I like that Mobius threw back, I mean, you're literally the son of a frost giant and Odin, like the Odin raised you. So it's like, you know, it's weird, but it's not any weirder than your shit. So I yeah. like that, but I don't know. They're definitely playing into it. It's just like in that conversation with Renslayer, Mobius is like, well, what are the timekeepers up to these days? And she's like, oh, you know, they're very focused on your case. Like, it just it just kind of seems like she invoked this legend of the timekeepers to get Mobius more focused on his task as opposed to actually, like, revealing anything new about them to him. Yeah, I think my ultimate guess would be that there's... It's just that there is some omissions. I think there might, like, maybe there's just one timekeeper. Like, I don't know. There's going to be, like, some weird reveal where it's not what we thought. I still think there will be some element of that. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's there's, like, some reveal. Well, oh, actually, the timekeepers maybe skew more evil. Like, maybe they're a bit more on the bad side. Maybe that ties into Renslayer as well. Like, maybe there'll be a reveal there. So that's kind of my guess right now, because they're definitely playing into this whole this is weird, you know, like, do they exist? Like, all that stuff. So I think there's going to be some reveals that it wasn't all we thought it was, or not. it's not what they set it up to be. Yeah, I wonder if maybe this other variant of Loki figured out what the Timekeeper's true motivations are, and so they're so heavily focused on this variant because she's trying to undo everything the Timekeepers are working towards. Yeah, yeah. And it's also cool because it just makes this case itself feel so important because everybody keeps telling characters that this case is extremely important. It doesn't really, it's not apparent why until we get to the end and it's like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Um, so I don't know. Like, I don't know what this leads to. I don't know if like next episode Mobius just finds Loki and like brings him back into the fold or like, I, I don't know what happens after this. I mean, is Loki going through that portal to fix time? I have no idea. So it's just, it's really interesting, but kind of on the whole point of Mobius and like Renslayer telling him like, this, this case is super important. I really liked how Mobius was kind of revealed to sort of be on the outs a little bit, like within the TVA. I thought that was pretty cool. It's like he's one mistake away from being done, essentially. So it also kind of gives some cool stakes for his end. And it kind of highlights, you know, the Loki-Mobius relationship even more. Like, did that surprise you that it's like, one more chance, Mobius? It almost seemed like she was threatening him in that scene, too. Like, I wonder if when he's done, is he just disintegrated? Is he forced into retirement? Like, I wonder what the stakes are for the TVA agents if they don't do their jobs correctly. At the same time, though, I do also like that it seems like Mobius has also had, like, a distinguished career as a TVA agent as well. Yeah. Like, he's clearly Renslayer's, like, favorite, or at least up there for her. Um, so I like that there is kind of this, like, um, gravitas to his character as well, like, within the TVA. Yeah, it also seemed like they maybe hinted at a possible past relationship between him and Renslayer, I thought. So... 
that could be something that we see. I don't know. But yeah, I really liked this element. Like you said, he definitely is very distinguished and clearly respected, but it also seems like he's made a lot of mistakes along the way. If he's like yeah. already at the start of this series, it's like, if you mess up again with Loki, I mean, there's nothing we can do. Like, I thought that was really cool. So that's definitely going to have to play in later. Maybe that's what brings Loki back to the good side. <laughs> Maybe he just feels bad for his new friend or something. And it's like, all right, I can't let Mobius down. Something like that. Well, I think Mobius even says, like, that's why you like me is because I think outside the box. So he clearly has, like, a very unorthodox, like, for the TVA, a very unorthodox way of doing things for his career. Yeah, for sure. I just, yeah, I love how he motivates Loki, too. Like, let's make a contest out of it. And you just see how excited Loki gets. Like, okay, like, I'll win. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, just great stuff all around. I like that because it very easily could have been, oh, we'll cast Owen Wilson just to be funny in the show. But it's actually, no, we're doing character first. So I like that Mobius actually yeah, feels like a sure. really fleshed out, interesting character. So can't wait for more. What do you think of the whole apocalypse stuff? That Was that fun for you this week? Yeah, that was my favorite element. That's where the episode started getting a lot better to me. But essentially, after they revealed that and then started testing their theory, I was all in on this episode. And it's really cool. And look, I'm, I'm no expert. I'm sure there's somebody out there. That's not how time travel works. But it's just one of those things where it's simple. It's like a cool, a cool big idea, but it's simply explained. And I, I just thought it was so interesting. Like Loki's like, well, we have to go look at like apocalyptic events. It's like, why? Like, that seems like a waste of time. You just made this up. And it's like, no, if we're going to an apocalyptic event, then theoretically the variant could be doing whatever. You could be totally messing up time because in stuff like Pompeii or Ragnarok, everybody died anyway. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I really liked that. And then getting to see a couple different examples of that play out, watching them like test a theory wearing suits in the middle of Pompeii was so fun. And then watching it actually explode and they're happy weirdly <laughs> because like we were right. So yeah, I really love that stuff. Yeah, I thought it was super fun as well. I think the only thing is I just kind of wanted more of it. And I actually was a little bit excited because I thought we were heading towards like what happened on Asgard after Thor and the rest of the Asgardians flew away. I, I was kind of excited to see like what Asgard looked like, like while Surtur was in the midst of destroying it, like just kind of get like another view of that event. Hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. I they're talking about it a lot and, and they don't have to go there. But again, we talked about it last week with like theories and cameos. I think. The one that seems the most likely, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think we'll probably end up going to Ragnarok at some point. So we'll see. I'm, I'm sure Loki would want to, to see what happened or whatever. Do you think after this show, we get actual Asgard back? Like maybe somehow he makes a bargain where he's like, I'll go back, but you can't let Asgard get destroyed or something like that. There'll probably be something like that, but it's probably going to be something like he tries to make it happen. And then it's just one of those things where, oh, sorry, Loki, it was inevitable. Like you can't stop it. Like, I think he might try, but I don't think he'll succeed. So yeah. So now that we finally know who the variant is and got that reveal, we've already talked about it a little bit. Um, but what did, what did you think of that, how the reveal itself was handled? And then watching Loki, of course, exit that portal with Mobius trying to get him to stop. What do you, like, give me a bit more content. What'd you think of that? Like, is he doing this for bad? Is he trying to go after the variant to stop them? Or is he just taking advantage of an opportunity to escape? Like, how did that all play out for you? Yeah, um, I was a little bit unclear if this is just a female, like alternate version of Loki, or if this is a different character, because they just they just kept calling her the variant. And even after she like walks out on like onto screen, and we see her face and everything, even the subtitles still say the variant for that character. So they haven't officially said like, female Loki or anything like that. So I'm, I'm still a little bit confused about what this character's like name is going to be in the show. 
Um, and then as for like Loki going after her, I kind of just think he's intrigued. I think he's just more curious at this point. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to escape. I don't think he has any evil motivations. I think he just kind of wants to see what she's trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, we don't have like, I guess, full confirmation. Basically, at one point when she's in a different body, I think our Loki refers to this thing, this variant, as Loki. And the person that she's possessing, like, snaps back, like, don't call me that name or something like that. So I'm really curious. I'm curious to see if, like, that's how this multiverse works. Like, there's just people in different timelines or whatever that are the same person. They just look different for whatever reason. And if that's the case, maybe that plays into how they bring in Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield into Spider-Man 3. It's just like they were just a different Peter Parker, you know? So that could be an element of it, too. I thought it was cool. You know, it was just cool to see somebody else wearing the Loki horns. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. As for as for that ending that you talked about, that's what I that's what I hope it is. I hope it's just this intriguing thing for him because that kind of plays into Loki as a character, I think. So him trying to take it on his own to go after this person would be pretty cool. Um, but I also, knowing Loki's like, well, maybe I'll just escape because I feel like it. So we'll see. I think that's going to be kind of our opening of the next episode. So I don't think we have to wait too long to find out. I know you're like a little bit more familiar with actual Marvel comics than I am. Do you know anything about female Loki? Is, is she different in the comics? Like, do you know anything there? No, I just know it is a thing. I know Lady Loki, I believe, is like the actual name um, is a thing in the comics, but I don't really know too much about the history. And at this point, I'll probably hold off on looking into it more, reading up on it until after the season. I don't want to spoil myself for anything like inadvertently, but it is cool that they brought it in because I, I did know going into the show that that was a thing. So it was cool to have the variant actually be this thing from the comics. So that was super cool. I also did love here. I did really like um, just the like the look of hurt on Mobius's face because you can tell he like had finally yeah. decided to trust Loki a little bit, and you can see on his face just how like kind of hurt and disappointed he is by Loki jumping into that portal. Yeah, I think it's a combination of like like you said, it maybe he feels like he failed. It's like why would Loki leave after what we've done? That doesn't make sense. And I think at the same time he's also thinking, Ugh, I'm fucked. Like you know, whenever I get back, like yeah. they're gonna be mad. Something bad's gonna happen great acting on his part you could just read it all on his face it was really cool so i kind of touched on this at the top but um i just felt the ending of this episode raised the stakes so perfectly this week uh we talked last time how time travel is always tricky because things can just be reset when they go wrong i think they found a really unique way around that with the whole the nexus can't go past the red line um i also thought that graph made this like super easy to understand they can show you it really quickly visually, and, and as long as that bar doesn't go past the red line, things are good. Why can't Christopher Nolan do this in Tenet? Um, <laughs> and then also, like, just the variant bombing, the sacred timeline, like, truly does impact the entirety of the MCU and could create all these new branches and cause another multiverse war. So how'd this play for you, and, and where do you think we go from here? Yeah, I really like this. It was cool, and it was well set up. Like I already mentioned in episode one, they did a great job, and it was like, why is the very end at the very end killing all these people only to take like the reset bomb thing? I was like, that's weird. And it, and it was also cool because they, we've seen that graph so many times just in two episodes, and it's like, okay, I get it. Whenever something branches off, TVA has to put it back in line and reset it, and then it you know, goes back to the sacred timeline. So then by the time we get to the end of the episode and all these bombs are sent away through their portals, it's like you see the sacred timeline, then all these branches at all these different times. And it was like, all right, that's cool. Like I actually 
know what that means because they did a good job of explaining how this works. So it was pretty satisfying in that sense. And just as for what this does, I don't know. And it's more of clearly the TVA is going to have to go and fix everything, but I don't know what the scope of the show in the next four episodes is going to choose to cover. Like, is Loki a part of that? Like, are we going to see, as we've already talked about, events from the MCU? I'm assuming we're going to get tons of cool, like, locations, like, throughout time. So I'm not worried about that. But I'm just curious, like you said, how exactly this impacts the MCU. Now that we know that it for sure does, what can we expect by the end? What type of MCU are we looking at? I'm really wondering if the rest of the show is actually going to look more like Endgame. I know we kind of talked about this last week, but I'm wondering if maybe we are going to go back to a lot more moments in the MCU just because... The audience is familiar with how those events played out, so it might be interesting to see what it looks like with the branching timelines. So I kind of think we're headed that direction. Um, And then also, I did really appreciate that we didn't have to wait till like episode five to see what was going on with these bombs. I'm glad we got that reveal right after the premiere. For sure. I mean, obviously, we'll be able to know more once we get to the last episode. But at the very least, so far, I know the three of us all had like issues here and there with pacing of WandaVision and also with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So at least so far in the first two episodes, like you said, I'm glad that it feels like we're not waiting around for anything. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of exposition in the first two episodes, but it's been really intriguing and it feels like we're on a really fast paced show. And that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm excited about. As for things looking like Endgame, that's something we also talked about last week. And I, th- I think I'm still on the side of the fence that I don't want that. I'll, I'm totally fine with like maybe one big return to an MCU moment, like that'd be fun. But I think if we do it too much, then I think you're right. I think it'll feel too much like Endgame. It's like, we just got that. So I hope they don't go overboard with that. I would be way more excited just with like visual elements. Like you said, as long as they pick really cool moments from history that we all know, like how cool would it be to see like like Loki, this character we know, dressed as like a soldier storming the beaches of Normandy, chasing a variant or something like that. Some I think that would be more exciting for me, seeing Loki and these characters trying to fit in to events of the past, present, future, and all that stuff. So for me, it doesn't have to be like MCU scenes, but I think we will get one for sure. Yeah, I was just trying to think like, how how are they going to show us events that we know how they happen and then show us show them differently? So yeah. I was just thinking it's either going to have to be like MCU moments that we all know how they happen, or it's going to have to be like really famous historical events that everybody knows what happened. And then we see something different then. I think if we just have like a lot of fictional events, it's going to be really weird for them to be like, well, here's what really happened and and here's what's happening now. Like if if it's something that the audience doesn't actually know about, like either from the MCU or from history. Yeah, that's true. I definitely don't want that. I think that wouldn't be satisfying. I mean, they are they already give us Pompeii. So they give us a little bit of like a tease of how that could potentially play out. And now that the bombs have gone off, so to speak, I think we're going to get to revisit more moments like that, but things are actually going to be wildly different. So we'll see how they do it. That is a good point you make. It's like, well, how can they make these events feel super different and still satisfying? So we'll see how they kind of play that out. Where do you think Loki and the variant Loki jumped to in that portal? Maybe like her messed up version of Asgard or something. Like maybe like a really dark, different, like evil looking version or something like that. Um, cause if they did that, they could get that stuff out of the way that Loki's been dealing with. They spent a lot of time talking about Ragnarok. So maybe going to a different version of Asgard is what we're in for, but I don't know. Or maybe it'll just be like another historical moment. I don't know. See, that's the thing that kind of confused me with Lady Loki is cause like, does she have an alternate version of Asgard to go to? Cause they set it up that 
the TVA fixes people who stray from the sacred timeline. So in the sacred timeline, we only have the Loki that we know. So I was just kind of, that's why I was kind of thinking maybe she's not Loki, just because she can't be Loki if the only Loki that exists at the moment is Tom Hiddleston. So I was just wondering where she could have come from, unless maybe somehow she is from the multiverse, but they already said that the multiverse got destroyed. So I'm just, I'm really confused at where this character came from and, and how she exists in this world. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually don't know the answer to that. And they, they talk about variants a lot. Like this is a thing that the TVA goes after. So this isn't like this isn't the only example of this happening. That's a good point. If there's only one timeline, then why are there other versions? I mean, maybe I missed something along the way, but yeah, I actually have no idea why that's happening. Because they showed us all those like different um, powered Lokis, but they were all all the ones they showed us were still just Tom Hiddleston with different powers. So it was still the Loki we know who just strayed, I guess, earlier in the time frame, and they fixed that. So, but this is like a whole a totally different character. Uh, so that's that's just kind of what I was confused about. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that plays into the Timekeeper stuff we talked about already. Like maybe there isn't really a sacred timeline. Maybe there is still a multiverse, and there is still like after effects of that war they stopped so maybe that could be something but yeah now that you bring that up i actually am realizing i don't really fully understand how the variants work either yeah i think i think that's a good theory to stick with though i think um i think the timekeepers have some explaining to do yeah for sure i'm excited i hope we see i hope they're real because i feel like the design could be super cool their statues certainly look cool and they look they look like they look like this there's like a really famous marvel villain kang the conqueror and they look weirdly like him. So I'm wondering if like maybe they're trying to set up like a future thing. I don't know. Uh, or it could just be like his race of people. I don't know. So maybe that's a future thing. I'm not sure. That's been the recurring thing I've seen on Reddit. Oh, okay. People are theorizing that the timekeepers are setting up Kang. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be interesting. And if that happens, then it's just another point to what you were saying earlier, which is this show is setting up way more than just... The story they're showing us, it sounds like Doctor Strange. If the variant thing I talked about is really true in the multiverse, then it seems like that's setting up Spider-Man 3, a future villain. Like, I mean, I, I never would have expected that. It's exactly what we talked about last week. I, Especially me. I wasn't sure how this show ends without feeling like a side story. And this week, they totally turned that on its head. And now I'm like, I feel like I can't miss an episode of this show because... I I feel like it's setting up so much for MCU Phase 4. Super exciting. And I'm glad they got to it early in the Phase 4, just so we actually can look forward to more stuff. So I'm just really happy with the show so far. All right. We could talk about Loki forever, but we will be back with the next episode. So don't worry about that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and the series, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that so we can continue to grow the show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to type out or write anything, that's totally fine. Just leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast really helps us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for the return of our favorite movie series. Austin, like he mentioned at the top, will be leading the charge this time with his pick, Denis Villeneuve's Prisoners. And like Matt said, check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us any theories that you have for Loki, any upcoming movies that you want us to cover. Uh, anything you want to talk about, feel free to message us on Instagram. And of course, anything you say. Uh, we will be happy to read on the show in upcoming episodes. So send us those theories and we'll read them on next week's episode. 
Um, additionally, be on the lookout at the end of this month. Matt and I are going to be getting together for another episode of our monthly gaming show, Co-op Couch, and we'll be breaking down all of the biggest news from E3. Yeah, looking forward to that. E3 is finally done. We got all the announcements. Were we disappointed? Are we excited? Can't wait to talk about it. All right, everyone. We'll see you Tuesday and next Friday for Loki Episode 3. See ya. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 